Hello, everyone, and welcome to A Femme and a Joe. Hola. We're glad everyone's listening and hoping that the new year has been replenishing for those that celebrate the new year during this time. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's... (sighs) We just gotta leave so many things behind in 2018, I feel like, (laughs) because we're just so numb. Just, like, bad things, like... Yeah, desensitized to yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm trying to think. Someone also told me the other day, a colleague of ours colleague um, of told ours. me that they wanted to leave thank you next in 2018. Or, yeah, 2018. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's a hot take, I think, maybe. Was it our favorite <laughs> Aquarius? Yes. No, it wasn't. Uh, I thought it was. <laughs> Maybe. They will probably show up in this podcast at yeah. some point in time. Yes. We have a lot of great plans for this podcast, and hopefully mm-hmm. y'all listening are excited. Before we can even talk about those plans, though, we should probably just talk about ourselves. Probably. So we're going to introduce ourselves. <laughs> just kind of want a little tangent. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Nathan the Gem. Um, of this podcast, to be each though we're both gems and we're both femmes, but <laughs> that was my main denominator. Um, I use they them as pronouns, and we are here, um, recording together. Usually, probably, always, mm-hmm. um, and we're both in. Well, I am a master student in a higher education student affairs program. Um, I identify as a mixed person of color, Filipinx and white and Spanish and other smaller things. Um, yeah, I do a lot of cutie pock activism, um, space building. My journey here to Burlington, Burlington, first of all, for everyone <laughs> out there, it is cold as hell. Yeah. It's really rude and disrespectful. I'll say more later, but yeah, that's great. Yourself. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> Um, hello, I'm Laura. I use she or they pronouns, which basically means you can use either, you can use one, you can use the other. I have no preference. Um, I am also a student pursuing a master's of education in higher education and student affairs, and I have great news. I also got accepted into the Disability Studies Graduate Certificate Program. <gasps> oh, yeah! <laughs> which I forgot to tell you. Oh my god, wow, damn! <laughs> Um, that's pretty recent. It's pretty recent. So I have kind of like an interdisciplinary approach now to understanding education. Um, let's see, what else should I share? I am a femme. I identify <laughs> what? <laughs> no, continue, but we just forgot to do signs and that's Oh yeah, we can talk about that next. We talk about all zodiac stuff next. Um I am a femme, a brown femme. I identify as Latinx or Latina and um, person of color um, and second generation American. I guess that's important to add um, that I have that privilege um, of that identity. Um, Yeah, I think that's 
little details about me. I'm trying to think more about my work specifically. My work specifically is dedicated to disability justice in higher education. That's what I realized I'm passionate about and um, specifically like identity-based work around the culture of disability and what that means in academia um, and student affairs. Yeah. Beautiful. I totally would include that mine, if I could, I would do a dual master's or certificate in sexuality studies. Um, mm. A lot of my cutie pop organizing is like space building and also a lot of sex ed stuff. Uh, so I'm absolutely the person to talk to. Um, as a queer individual, um, well not as a queer individual, but um, someone who has a lot of personal experience mm. with. Um, if you read into that audience, it means I'm a slut. Um, <laughs> with sex, kink, you name it. Um, but yeah, I definitely, sex education is a huge part of being a sexuality educator, as well as a social justice activist. Um, education that happens in that mm-hmm. realm. Yeah. Yeah, I think we both have a lot of work dedicated to social justice so a lot of what we talk about in this podcast is going to be undoubtedly around that <laughs> um just so we're clear i'm a social justice mage not a warrior <laughs> do you have a class that you would be i don't i oh, don't know no. <laughs> i don't know anywho um, yeah, that's a little bit about us. Mm-hmm. Um, why did we want to do this podcast? That's a really great question that I, I don't even remember. <laughs> um, originally, I think it was around the summer before, or no, it was during the fall semester of our first experience of graduate school. It's a delicate way of putting it. We, <laughs> I won't use any adjectives to describe it, I'll just say first. <laughs> um... We'll leave it at that. I guess, I think for me, wanting to work with you and like your experience with social justice, like talking about what I was talking about before and your, the adversity that you have faced in higher education because of some of the identities that you hold, um, as well as outside of higher education, because we, we can talk about that too, of course, like and bring mm-hmm. that in because... We don't live, like, monolithic lives at all. Um, attributing that to Audre Lord, We don't live single-issue lives. Um, I think for me, definitely, like, you wanting to create space in a way that's digital, but also accessible to folks. Um, and a lot of... Let's see, what else? I don't know. What do you think? I wanted to do this, um, A, because I love a good platform, you know, who doesn't, um, no, um, I just, I have so much personal experience, like, you know, I, some adversity, yes, um, and just a lot of self-discovery in higher Mm -hmm. education and recognition of a huge lack of space um, for students to have that self-discovery or be able to like exist peacefully within that self-discovery 
Um, and, and just with like, you know, through the activist route of higher education, trying to get anything accomplished is just so difficult. Mm-hmm. And there are so many barriers and a lot of it's just stooped in yeah, institutions just, yeah. of white supremacy and racism and like, uh, institutions want trying, not trying, are becoming, um, you know, more for profit and more of like adhering to a capitalist agenda instead of like furthering knowledge and making knowledge accessible to all. Um, and there aren't many platforms that like talk about that on podcasts are, you know, I guess the equivalent of let's start a band when you have two (laughs) talented intellectual individuals (laughs) who want to talk about ideas. You know, the podcast is the way to go. Neither of us are musically gifted or talented, but (laughs) we could try. We could try. Oh God. Karaoke. Karaoke. Um, you know, Philip connects people do it all the time. Um, but yeah, um, just in also recognizing that like we, there aren't many platforms, um, dedicated to acknowledging like, um, resources and things that got us through higher education, you know? And so it's like when, like, yes, I absolutely want to do this podcast with you as an individual and work with you and all the things you have planned for this podcast, Mm -hmm. um, around higher education and education in general. Um, because you've become my best friend in this program. Yay. Um, and I've been like a huge support Aww. and like light that like keeps me going. We both had difficult ass first semesters. Yeah. Uh, that was just so unnecessary, I yes. feel. Um, but yeah, like whenever I've gone through like my own self discovery and like face adversity I like always look to see if there are examples before me and I haven't found any or many um and so I see that there's like a huge need and a gap and mm-hmm. I want to do it and you want to do it yes um so that's kind of like where it came from like why the why yeah. to like do this and I think we know like so many fabulous people that like can all represent a different facet or like the multifaceted experience of higher education from like people of color. Mm-hmm. So I think we have we just have like a great pool of creative energy and like just so many different energies that we're going to exchange with one another. Yeah. To talk about higher ed in different ways and what it means to different folks and yeah, in different mediums too. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, thank you for sharing. (laughs) And it's now 11 minutes in, and we still have not talked about our zodiac zodiac signs. (laughs) Maybe this is a sign of our signs. I don't know. Um, You go first. Okay. Well, I'm a Sagittarius um, sun. And then a, um, I always mix up the two for some reason, but I'm a Libra moon and a Gemini rising. So technically, I am kind of a gem. So we kind of hold both. Okay. <laughs> I'm really not. I guess I can share my Gemini title with you. Yay. <laughs> um, I'm a Gemini sun. I am a Virgo moon and a Cancer rising. I like to say that I'm a very stable, well-rounded person. Because <laughs> um, I got a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and complete opposites and signs, too. Yeah. But I think it's important to know when we it just is. talk about who we are as individuals. Um, I think I saw one time on like the internet, I don't remember who said it, but it was like, 
Zodiacs are the Myers-Briggs for queer folks or I'm something like that. Yes, or like absolutely. for... Absolutely. Yeah, or something like that, so... I guess, I don't know, just more information about mm-hmm. us real quick before we get into plans. Um, I mean, you forgot. Um, I'm from California. Yes, and this is being recorded so far in away. Burlington. <laughs> Burlington, Vermont. Burlington, Vermont. Um... Let's like real quick, like, I mean, I grew up in, if you took a Midwest town and planted it in California, first of all, all of Northern California, and to be very specific here, Northern California is Sacramento and above. <laughs> the Bay Area is not Northern California. I will not apologize to any listeners I think otherwise, because if you haven't grown up in the country of California... You don't know what the Northern... country of California. Oh, the country. <laughs> the countryside. The countryside. Where the. I was like, it's a country now. Yeah. Bitch, I wish. I'm just deduces to this program. Yeah. Gotta get back home. Um, yeah, if you've never lived in like the red, red parts of the state, you don't know Northern California. You're not mm-hmm. a part of it. The Bay Area is its own little metropolis in a way. It's not a gentrification and dystopian it's getting there well that's a whole other topic for another time um <laughs> but yeah I grew up in this small little town closeted as hell racist as hell because it's what it was so there was so much unlearning to do and mm-hmm. still to do obviously you're never not unlearning or relearning or learning new things um but yeah I was one of those cases of uh, college being my saving grace and my only mm-hmm. escape out of um, where I grew up because it just wasn't safe there. But a little bit about me and where I come from. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Um, let's see, for me, I grew up in a similar setting than where I am now, actually, in Burlington. So very predominantly white suburb. Burlington, I consider basically a suburb. It's like a city suburb, so we'll just go with that. The biggest city in the state of Vermont <laughs> yeah. is a city suburb. Yes. Um, and I grew up in a town that, yeah, was predominantly white, um, middle class, to upper middle class. So the people I was surrounded with kind of didn't really reflect my identities at all and so I was always seen as this one that was like exotic enough but like at some points not exotic I used to go by Laura (laughs) (laughs) instead of Laura because I just tried to like whitenize I guess if there's a better word let me know but make more white of my identity um, because my half my family is white from Cuba, um, and the other half is brown from Puerto Rico, um, and they came from New York City. So I grew up with two parents from the city who decided to move to a suburb. Who one of them hated the suburb. One of them, I guess, was okay with it. Um, it was just a interesting, interesting times. Um, And I'm trying to think what else is important to know about, like, my positionality from being from a suburb. But I think also for me, going to a 
post-secondary institution. Um, I attended like a really large university with a really diverse population, especially of international students, which was, I never understood exactly why, because it was such a random institution. Um, I don't know why it'd be so popular, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's kind of hard to sell like such cold winters in Buffalo, in New York, so. Um, but I did have the privilege of going to university at Buffalo where I had the chance to take classes that kind of broadened my understanding of different social constructs that I didn't even know I had the words to describe. Um, so I had this whole new language that I could finally articulate my identity and I could finally maybe say my name in the way that I wanted to say it. And um, so yeah, similar to you kind of, college was a time of awakening in a lot of ways, but also a lot of unlearning to do and still a lot of unlearning to do. Yeah, absolutely. I did my undergraduate at, in California at the uh, big institute. Well, Apparently there are bigger institutions, which really? just blows my mind. Wow. My institution is considered a medium size for 18,000 students. Oh. Um, but I went to University of California, Santa Cruz. And Santa Cruz is similar to Berkeley um, in like being counterculture mm -hmm. and like activist protesty. Um, so every day interacting with anybody is you're bound to learn something new about like what is harmful to say. Um, or what a new word means. Like, you could just walk outside without headphones and listen to conversations and you would learn something. Mm -hmm. And so it was just, like, every day. And, of course, I was grateful because I was privileged enough, you know, I have family in the Philippines. My Lola still lives there. Um, and my parents, my mom is Filipinx and my dad is white. And, you know, my dad has been here. My dad's family has been here since, like, pre-Civil War. And that's mm -hmm. a huge privilege. So I don't... There is no generation. I've just, a part of me has been here. Um, my mom, on the other hand, though, my Lola is, you know, born and raised in the Philippines. Um, and my mom was born in the States but grew up in the Philippines. And so some part of me is also technically second gen. Um, one and a half gen, mm -hmm. really. Um, but that's not even uh, something that really comes up in my experience. Um, even though my dad has always been working class, my dad's family has always been working class, but um, I'm the first in my family to go to second post-secondary school. Um, well, master's, graduate school. I'm the first in my yeah. family to do graduate school. Um, and I grew up in a very white town, because it was very racist. Um, just about as white as Burlington, which it, or mm -hmm. the state of Vermont, which I think is 96%. <laughs> yeah. <white>. Yes. <laughs> um, so that was a huge roundabout way of saying that when I got to Santa Cruz, it wasn't a huge culture shock because I had been to the Philippines multiple times and like was so interesting as a mixed person because I look mixed and I look brown and my brother, who's just equally as mixed as I am, just looks like a white dude, like basic white dude. Um... And so it was always interesting growing up when we'd get to the Philippines and, like, I would just blend in. No one batted an eye at me, but, like, everyone was staring at my brother. Mm -hmm. And, you know, growing up in that town, like, my mom would get asked questions if my brother was her child because they looked nothing alike. Um, 
And so it was just really interesting, like, coming from that experience, but being able to really just fast track um, in Santa Cruz, like, my social justice uh, education. And of course, you know, I wouldn't be here without all the people that took the time to even right. have those conversations with me or correct me on things, you know, and, like, for their energy and for their um, grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I also want to thank the internet. <laughs> <laughs> like, or social media, not, like... The band? <laughs> just the internet. <laughs> not, I like the band, the internet, too, but... <laughs> Um, I think social media has played a huge role in my development of my critical consciousness. Absolutely. Like, starting probably my first year of college was when I started getting more into social media in that way. So, yeah, I forgot about that. It's always important to add. Um, So what are our plans for this podcast? hmm. Drum roll. No. (laughs) Um... Well, we have great, a great amount of folks that we want to kind of undergo some energy exchanges with um, and have it be like a empowering, uplifting process for each and every one of us, I'd say, to talk about um, the context of higher education, um, details to it, maybe passions that folks have and how they maybe use their social justice, own definitions of social justice to inform the work that they do. Um, Yeah, what else do we have planned? What is an energy exchange? Oh yeah, that's a great point. We should explain it. So... I think we thought of, or who thought of this term? It was our friend, Rachel. It was was a friend in the program. It was a friend in our graduate program um, who we can't remember at the moment, but we have in our notes. Yeah. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's, I know who it is, but we won't say their name. Um, So to kind of deviate from the historical connotation of conducting interviews which there's a power dynamic clearly there of who is usually the interviewer and who is the interviewee I think we wanted to kind of distance ourselves from that notion and process and practice and from my understanding that's the way we wanted to go about it and kind of like I use the word uplift again like emphasizing that word um, uplift and kind of give autonomy to the person that we're talking to and talking with talking with yeah what do energy exchanges mean to you um this is an energy exchange yeah Mm, any kind of interaction with someone where it's i mean it can be positive or negative but the reality is that energy is energy Mm -hmm. um oh my god yes okay so we want to interact and engage and have exchanges with um, folks in higher education and outside of uh, mm-hmm. higher education, um, the focus isn't necessarily always going to be social justice. No. Um, but I think more so just the overlying theme is kind of like how do um, individuals who also face adversity navigate yeah. higher education and like how do they do it in their own way and what, you know, with their existence and the identities that they 
um, exist within um, impact how or impact or influence how they show up in these spaces, right? Um, and what that looks like, because we don't represent mm-hmm. everyone, and how I navigate and survive in higher education is different than how you navigate and mm-hmm. survive in higher education. Um, but we just wanted to shed some light on that. Um, while within, like, you know, in between those energy exchanges, probably having, like, discourse topics and things to talk about if something really comes up that we're talking about um, in the institution or in class that's, like, we Hmm. need to have a deeper conversation about this and this is where we're going to have that conversation and that's probably what's going to happen. Yes, and I'm excited for it. Um, So, yeah, the future of this podcast, um, I have no idea. I'm just, wherever it takes us, it will take us. If only one person ever listens to this podcast, then that's... I don't know, that's mm-hmm. not a worry that I have. I think this is just a project that we wanted to do and we're going to make it happen and we have a plan um, for what we want to talk about. Um, and I think this is just another digital tool that we're going to use to disrupt like um, oppressive institutions mm-hmm. like racism and white supremacy and xenophobia, homophobia, all the yeah. isms that you can think of, cis-sexism. Um, we need to define these terms too because we want this to be mm-hmm. accessible um, to everyone, you know, not just right. within higher education. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think also with this podcast, we want to like honor the labor that's put mm, into absolutely. not only the work that people do, but the labor that's put into surviving in these institutions as marginalized folks. Um, you're smirking because. Because I know I'm, you're thinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about that one time when someone was like, I wonder when I'm going to experience burnout. Yeah. It's a privilege to ponder about the future that you will experience eventually burnout. That it's even a possibility yeah. for you. Or even, like, that that temporality even exists. That, like, mm-hmm. I, it's just beyond my understanding. But, mm-hmm. I feel like... We're still at the, the crust. Yeah. And we need to get to the... Yeah, I remember actually the first class that we had during the our Foundations and Functions of College Student Personnel class, which was basically like a foundational class for understanding higher education and student affairs as systems. Um, not systems of power, we left it very surface level, but I remember someone telling me, oh, I read, like, the history section of higher education, and I didn't realize we were going to take it to this deep of a level. And I remember it was because that comment was made because I brought up eugenics and the history of eugenics and how it's intertwined with, like, the history of higher education. So I think we are just at the surface level of the surface level. <laughs> <laughs> and like We're the soil above the crack. Yes. <laughs> so there's a lot of unlearning to do and a lot of growing to do. Like, the accessibility piece is huge because I, there's this huge disconnect between academia mm-hmm. and society. You know, they academia becomes its own microcosm and mm-hmm. people that don't have access um, to higher education won't have access to that information. And it's like... And also talking about how academia co-ops information and knowledge right. from communities. Right. You know, that's not... Um, 
yeah, it's not the original form right. of that knowledge and how it gets twisted and then becomes like a social justice movement or like a woke movement or you got a brownie points, whatever. Um, but yeah, this podcast is all of that. Mm-hmm. All of that and more. All of that and a bag of chips. <laughs> what kind of chips? Oh, right now, Takis. I've never had Takis. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we'll be getting some soon, I promise. Okay. Um, any final thoughts? Hmm. There was one thing I had, but I forgot. Oh my god. Yeah. Well, this isn't like the first official, official episode. Right. This is like the this intro. Is like the pilot. Through, the pilot, absolutely yeah. the pilot. Um, we are testing the waters and um, figuring out this podcast show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we literally figured it out like, what, a couple hours ago? <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, and you will absolutely get to know us more when we do do the first. What a privilege. Wow. <laughs> Listen. My favorite uh, meme and quote right now is um, it's three frames of two women. And the one on the top says, um, Raise your hand if you like me. And the other one responds, Well, what if I don't like you? And the original one responds with, well, then I guess you better raise your standards. <laughs> and that's hey. where I'm at. Raise yeah. your standards. Um, I imagine this podcast can only get better from here. And yes. I'm sure. Um, We're planting the seed. Absolutely. Yeah. I love being implanted the seed. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and we will also be disrupting respectability politics. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> It's yes. in the mission statement. It's in the We mi- don't have a mission statement yet, but it's in the mission. Listen, it's in the syllabus. <laughs> it's in the- On page yes. three. On page three. Opens wine. Opens wine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. Is there anything else you can think of that we should add? Um, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> yes. We have, um, if you have any questions for us, our email is the word fem and A-N-D gem, G-E-M, at gmail.com. And we also just created an Instagram like an hour ago that we're still tinkering with. Yeah. Um, so yeah you there can, are so many things we're still figuring out. This is the pilot, so y'all. Things. Forgive us. Yeah. It's but the I'll rough draft. The rough <laughs> Edits to come. (laughs) Edits Edits to to come. come. Um, Yes, and it's F-E-M-M-E. Yes. Oh my god, I can't wait to get into that story. Yes. Um, Yeah, episodes an hour at most. This one's Mm -hmm. shorter because, you know, pilot. And you can follow us on Instagram at... I believe the account I (laughs) made is a femme and a gem. Just the title of the podcast. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, this yes, yes. M- may or may not be a weekly episode release. Mm-hmm. We will hopefully. Depends on how much time we have to breathe this semester, which hopefully I'm optimistic. I'm sad. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> I just go with the flow. With the, with the Gemini. Um, 
So another thing we want to do is we want to end every episode with a poem that one of us has written or we have found somewhere that is worth sharing. With that being said, Laura is going to present our first poem. Yes, so I decided to write this poem in response to an assignment that our professor had assigned for a basically reflection on our own social justice praxis in higher education and I think outside of higher education as well. Okay. An intuitive poem and plan for social justice praxis in higher education. What does it mean for my body to exist, to survive and thrive in this ivory tower? I am queer as in fuck the system that latches onto my body and assigns every detail. I am brown as in this reflection that gazes back to me reveals my body, a mosaic of manifestations of my ancestors and homelands of contradiction, both stewarded and occupied. I am disabled as in my body is a border constructed to differentiate between sanity and incompetency. Every piece of the mosaic that makes up my identity signals, forget the tower. The very bricks that lay the foundation for your future profession were built without your body in mind. What does it look like when my body is a barrier to pursuing social justice action in this ivory tower? Always at odds with the system I am a part of. I can dedicate my energy and well-being, my body, to simplicity in action. Surrendering to community care because maintenance of the self is too precious to not share. Ongoingly persisting to broaden and fine-tune the sculpture that is my critical consciousness. Redistributing my minimal wealth to scholars sharing collective wisdom outside the ivory tower because the revolution will not happen inside inaccessibility. Areas for improvements first look like destroying self-hate and self-stigma since the revolution starts with the body and minding, prioritizing the matters of bodies that are barriers to action in institutions such as higher education. Who can you lean upon to support you and hold you accountable? I cannot answer with a single name because my community care is accountability and I never experienced belonging until arriving in Abenaki territory so-called Vermont, against all odds towards my body of rejection, fluidity, and borders, accepting the opposition of my existence to an educational system that would never consider my abuela's seamstress skills as technology, and complying with this system that would never admit her non-English speaking tongue and fifth grade education into an institutionalized post-secondary learning environment incites self-doubt. But if my body commits to this action plan, not only can I witness the horizon of liberation, but also honor my ancestors as we all become ancestors one day. Yay. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And, we... and thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Adios. Thank you.